Hello and welcome to Real Time Strategy, a podcast all about the gaming industry. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Mosier, joined once again by my co-host, Caitlin Redwing. How are you doing today? I'm good. And like we just talked about, I have sniffles and I apologize if they show up in the audio. (laughs) No, it cannot be helped. I feel like we're officially in the chilly season, fall, you know, the last gasp of fall before winter is here. And, uh, but as we were talking about before we started recording, you won't be in necessarily a cold climate for much longer. No, this will be my last podcast in Michigan, fingers oh crossed. Yeah, I am I'm moving to LA, but that'll be a few weeks. So I'll be in Missouri. I'll be in your stomping grounds <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> for a little over a week. <laughs> but yeah, it'll be nice to get away from the cold and snow, like right as it's starting to hit because is my least favorite time of the year yeah it is weather wise not a very fun time of year but in terms of things going on in the industry it's a wonderful time of the year all the big games are coming out (laughs) yeah which i chose the worst time to move (laughs) because i'm not going to be able to play god of war until like mid-december and i'm upset (laughs) yeah i know it's like I mean, I guess it's always the I've always had experienced this problem, like even like, you know, college, these games are coming out right now and it's like final season and maybe you get like a taste of them during Thanksgiving break, but then you really have to wait till winter break to dive in. Yeah, I and I thought about that. I'm like, I could bring my PlayStation to Missouri, but I'm like, I'm I'm not going to want to shut myself in a room and I'm not going to like want to put it on the living room and like other people are going to be watching like movies and hanging out. So. I'm not going to bring it. I'm just going to wait. <laughs> and I'm selling my TV. So I'm like, as soon as I get there, I can't just like set it up. Oh, wow. Are you planning on like trying to like shop a Black Friday deal or like a. Yeah. Yeah, that's smart. To, I'm hoping to get one of those OLEDs. Ooh. Yeah. They already have the deal. So I'm like, I don't assume they'll stop on Black Friday. So I'll probably get one of those bad boys. That's smart. And moving with the TV is such a pain, especially cross country. Yeah. I mean, I have a TV box and my brother's going to take it. So I'm taking it to Missouri, but uh, it's, it's done me well. It's, it's also gone through a couple moves and I think it's time. It's a 4k, but I'm ever since like, once you use an OLED for gaming or watch a movie, it's like everything else, nothing compares. And my mom has one every time I go over to her house, I'm like, capital J jelly (laughs) well okay now it sounds like I might need to be scoping out an OLED TV during this Black Friday season because the closest experience I've ever gotten or the only experience I should say I've ever had with one is my beloved PlayStation Vita handheld um (laughs) which the first generation had an OLED screen RIP the Vita for real what a beautiful little thing uh and the second generation got replaced with an lcd screen i believe and like you know it made it cheaper but screen wasn't as nice so all that goes to say is a lot of the reason i really do love that that little piece of hardware is the screen was gorgeous uh it makes me want to get that switch oled i have a switch oled and i i wasn't playing my old switch handheld just because like i felt like the screen like it just i was like i'd rather dock it um i do play my oled handheld way more now because it's just like so pretty to look at 
Yeah. Oh, well, this time of year is also lovely for gamers because it's the Game Awards season. We are recording this the week that the nominations have come out. We'll be talking about that, and later on the show, I should say a couple weeks from now, we'll be talking about our experience at the award show because we will be attending. Uh, so much exciting Game Awards content coming up. But first, Caitlin, speaking of the Switch OLED, PS5, God of War, a question we haven't talked about ourselves in quite a while, what are you playing right now? That's a good question. Um... What am I playing? <laughs> Do you have time to play anything right now? Um, well, I was about to say no, but that's a lie because I played Two Point Campus for quite a while last night. I needed a break in the packing and I was like, I'm just going to start it. I probably played like two hours. Um, I love it. It's such a fun little game and I never played Two Point uh, Hospital, but like now I want to. I don't know. It's just like got cute vibes. Um it's a nice strategy. Basically, you're just like building your own college campus and you have to like manage your staff and like, which includes janitors and assistants and uh, professors and build dormitories and food and bathrooms. And I don't know if you're like a any kind of like zoo tycoon or roller coaster tycoon kind of you like those um, building sim management games, you would really like it. I have, um, so I've been playing that, and then my Steam Deck, I have been playing a little to the left, which is mm-hmm. a new indie game, basically, it's just, again, it's all about the vibes, you know, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's got, like, a really pretty art style, like, it's, everything looks, um, as if, like, you hand drew it on paper with, like, a crayon, um, and it's kind of, it's a puzzle, organization game um but yeah i i've been playing that at night it's just like a relaxing a relaxing game to wind me down (laughs) from Um, the the moving stress yeah from the moving stress and then before like the moving stress happened uh i did start god of war but i i did not get too far um i decided i was going to wait until i can like put more time into it and really focus on it um, and then I've just been playing Fortnite. <laughs> Babe, but speaking of Game Awards, best ongoing game nomination. Like, Look, I may or may not have voted for it yeah. because I'm on the Fortnite hype train. I think I've talked <laughs> about it before, and I wasn't for a long time. And then I spent $80 on it a couple weeks ago. Wow. <laughs> how? How? <laughs> oh, God, I'm such a dork. Um, it was Star Wars week. Ah, <laughs> uh, hey, I don't blame you at all. <laughs> That's a well, pretty good reason had, my book. Well, and they had, yeah, they had the Luke Skywalker, like, all black, like, Chanel boots outfit, and I was like, I need it. I need him. So I needed some V-Bucks. I honestly could have only spent $9 to got it, but I was like, I might as well just get the most bang for my buck. I'll use them eventually. They'll bring Venom back, and I'll eventually get him, you know? But I... As much as I'm like, that's stupid. Monetization's horrible. Why won't you just charge people for a game? Well, I'm proof that you're going to make a lot of money because I want skins. Well, when Venom 3 comes out, I'm sure you'll be able to get that skin again. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> that's a thing. So you, you mentioned the Steam Deck. I wanted to check in because have you had it for a month, two months now? I think two months now. 
And how are you, you know, what are your thoughts two months in? What's the extended review? Are you using it in um, conversation with your PC? Like, are you using the cross save feature at all? I'm not. I've, I have noticed that, or actually, that's a lie. I did on one game. What game was that? Oh, it was like, um, oh, it was Settlement Survivor, Survival. It wasn't, it's not fully optimized for the Steam Deck. And so there was just like, um, the text was super small trying to click on things. So I, but I still played it and managed it on the Steam Deck for like, I spent hours on it. But I did do the cross save because I was like, I'm going to just play this on the PC and continue my little survival. I There's a theme going with the kind of games that I like. For the most part, I play and buy games on my Steam Deck that I'm like, this feels like a Steam Deck game for me. And this is like what I'm going to play. Uh, so I usually keep it pretty separate from my PC gaming. That makes sense. There's... That is probably how I would net out as well, but I would be lying if that feature does not appeal to me at the very least. Like I'm about to go home for a week for the Thanksgiving holiday and, you know, <laughs> I there was a moment in my life where like, you know, I, I would lug my PS4 or but like, you know, back home for the week, especially because I'll have some downtime, but hardware just keeps getting bigger and I don't really want to travel with my PS5 or, or you know, God forbid my PC um, right. <laughs> it's a mammoth. Yeah, right? So I'll be playing my Switch, which will be great. I, I have plenty to dig into there. But, like, there's a part of me that would love to continue my progress and like, Ali Ali World, which I'm playing on Steam right now, or, like, you know, Vampire Survivors. Like, all these things I have in my Steam library that I would love to just pick up where I left off at home, come back to, you know, home in Kansas City, and pick up where I left off. But... Alas, um, I just got to pull the trigger on the Steam Deck is where this where this sentence is going. Yeah, I mean, based on what you're saying, I think you will definitely get your use out of it. Um, and yeah, I don't know. You made a good a good point about traveling and like vacations. I'm I'll probably end up playing like I don't know if Two Point is Steam Deck verified, but I might try it out on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also started, I've been starting a lot of games. Who knows if I'll finish them. But uh, <laughs> Turnip, Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion. <laughs> Love that title. A, <laughs> hilarious title. Hilarious game. Um, I, I'm probably like halfway through that. And so that I'm on the Steam Deck. I'm playing that on the Steam Deck. And it feels like a, a little Steam Deck game. Uh, but so you mentioned Vampire Survivors and Ali Ali World two game award nominated games um so i feel like have you started those yet yeah i like them both very much i definitely see the acclaim i am doing you know i have mentioned it on shows past kind of uh this weird fascination i have with creating my own best of the year list so i'm i'm doing my my due diligence for all the mediums, but for the sake of this podcast gaming, I'm trying to 100% Kirby in the Forgotten Land, which, preface, we haven't got into it yet, completely snubbed for Game of the Year, if if I, uh, you know, might throw that out there. The Kirby game? The, have you played it? Yes, I played it. Okay. I think that game is like, <laughs> I mean, and, and this might be part of a larger conversation of this idea of like, a game has to check certain boxes to like be kind of considered 
or like, you know, be worthy of say game of the year. And I think that often boils down to story and sure Kirby, the forgotten land, not a story heavy game. Um, I was going to say, cause I can't really remember what the story was. <laughs> The level design, like in the worlds, I really did love playing that game. I had a ton of fun, but I don't think that, I don't think once I was like, this is a game of the year, but I mean, it all is down to personal uh, opinions and tastes too. Yeah. I guess it was just a very well, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm biased. Platforming is probably my favorite genre. And this is just one of, I think the best ones I played in a really long time. Like you said, the level design, just the amount of care that goes into any Nintendo crafted title um is there but it's cool seeing kirby realized in a 3d environment in a way that we've never seen him her them before i forget who i, I don't think kirby has a gender yeah okay. that makes <laughs> kirby's sense. just this bean <laughs> kirby's a blob um kirby's i will <laughs> kirby's a blob um you know, I'm going to take it back because Kirby had mouthful mode and that is worthy of game of the year. Thank you. How can, how can I forget? How can I forget about Kirby? Just like think about it. If Kirby had been nominated for game of the year, much like we got the Elden Ring pot last year, imagine a practical Kirby rolling out on the Microsoft <laughs> Theater stage at the Game Awards in a couple weeks. I'm in need of a new car. I wonder if I, they would let me buy it. I would um, drive a Carby. <laughs> <laughs> well, to spoil my, my game of the year, like kind of list preemptively, Kirby in the Forgotten Land will be somewhere high up there. So I'm playing that, uh, playing Vampire Survivors, which I see the hype extremely addicting. Um, will you, will you talk a little bit about that game? Cause I feel like it has flown. I was actually surprised by that nomination because I felt like it has flown under the radar for a lot of people, or I'm just, Maybe I'm just not seeing talk about it on Twitter. So can you give a, a little lowdown of what that game is? Yeah. So Vampire Survivors is maybe between that and Rogue Legacy 2. This year's like big roguelike. Um, it's a it's just very addicting. The gameplay loop is very strong. It's not like it doesn't have the strongest graphics. It's like but it's also very cheap. I think. The MSRP is five bucks, but it's on Game Pass right now. I got it for 20% off, which is just a dollar off during the uh, Halloween sale. And so your character is automatically fighting, but then your goal is to last as long as possible and to like equip your character with upgrades and weapons and stuff to help them survive longer. So it's kind of a wave-based game, and it's not that... You know, I think there's some DNA with Loop Hero from a couple years ago, which was also a roguelike. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just very addicting. It's perfect for the Steam Deck I've heard. I can't attest to that personally. Um, but, like, if it comes to the Switch, it's going to be a must-own. But um, it's just one of those games where, like, yeah, it's never going to get a Game of the Year nomination because I think, in a way, it is simple. But is in that simplicity, I think that the game, like is is amazing and uh is a really good background game if you're playing if you're watching something listening to a podcast uh like football's on like it's a good thing to have you know kind of on the sideline no pun intended um i i've downloaded it i haven't started it but i plan to over thanksgiving break i'm just gonna read some of the steam reviews because <laughs> they're hilarious um this one says started as a dude with a whip 
ended as an immobile tree radiating garlic stink. 10 out of 10 would tree again. <laughs> um, probably my top 10, maybe top three best $5 spent in my entire life. Um, it's cheaper than crack and is better for your teeth than meth. <laughs> <laughs> you can play as a dog. Great. Thank you. The only review I ever need. Um, honestly, the only thing to be proud of being Italian for. <laughs> yes, it takes place in Italy. <laughs> Sex is almost as fun. Meth would be easier to quit. <laughs> Anyways, it, it goes on and on. The uh, Kudos to the people writing these Steam reviews because they're actually very funny. And convincing that everyone should play this game, whether you are Italian or a meth addict. <laughs> so that is primarily what I'm playing right now. Of course, high up on the list for the next kind of two to three months. Like I will be picking up God of War Ragnarok. I finally need to dive into Elden Ring. I know I am like 10 months late at this point. Yeah. Um, what you, we could have been totally gossiping. <laughs> I don't know why gossiping, but raving over Elden Ring months ago. <laughs> and there are several indies, which we'll talk about in the game awards nominations. Number uh, the, the two high. Well, I guess the three highest on my list Immortality, which Rob Manuel talked about a couple episodes ago, the yes. uh, Hollywood set, you know, horror thriller mystery. Uh, very excited to dig into that. Tunic, the uh, Zelda-like, I guess Dark Souls Zelda-like, where it's all about exploration and, you know, you're kind of learning the world's mysteries as you go along and then allows you to access areas you've passed before. I find that concept very interesting. And then Neon White, uh, which is a speedrunning-inspired first-person shooter. Um, mm -hmm. And you, you, there's card mechanics, but it's mostly just, like, allowing you to choose what guns you're using. And yeah, and with, like, puzzle platforming. Yes. It's got, like, a ton of things from other games, like, all layered into it. I haven't played it, but I've read so much about it, and it sounds like a lot of fun. It's a lot of things that appeal to me, like cell shaded graphics, like platforming, first person shooting, fast levels, like say less. I probably, speaking of me bring, you know, my only gaming uh, option over the Thanksgiving break will be my Switch. Other than 100% completing Kirby, I think I'll be picking up Neon White because I've heard it runs quite well on the Switch. So I'm excited to dig into that. Oh, maybe I'll get that on the Switch. I didn't know that it ran that well in there. Or yeah. I'll do Steam Deck. Who knows? <laughs> I'm sure probably Steam Deck's always a better option, but until I get my hands on that sweet big PC <laughs> rig on the go, Switch is my option. Yeah. Well, I was like, I need a break between the Steam Deck because it is heavier. So mm -hmm. like after a while, my poor little wrists are like, feel like <laughs> bruised. <laughs> They're like, put me down. Um, but it takes, I, I can hold it for a while. It just, every. After a bit, it gets a little tiresome. So the Switch will be easier to play with. Yeah. Well, enough dancing around the Game Awards. Let's talk about the nominations themselves. Uh, this summary comes from Ryan Dinsdale at IGN. Headline reads, The Game Awards 2022 nominations see God of War Ragnarok leading with 10 awards. Uh, nominations, I should say. Uh, Jeff Keighley has announced every nominee for the Game Awards 2022, with God of War, Ragnarok, and Elden Ring leading the way with 10 and 7 nominations, respectively. God of War Ragnarok's nominations include Game of the Year, Best Game Direction, Best Narrative, Best Art Direction, Best Score and Music, Best Audio Design, 
two in best performance, best action adventure, and innovation in accessibility. Elden Ring saw a number of similar nominations, including Game of the Year, Best Game Direction, Best Narrative, Best Art Direction, Best Score in Music, Best Audio Design, and Best RPG. The four other Game of the Year nominations, and then and then we can kind of dig into this kind of top-level summary. So other than God of War Ragnarok and Elden Ring, we have A Plague Tale Requiem, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Caitlin. Was your was your money on these six nominations? Um, I yes and no. I so I have played all except for Xenoblade Chronicles three. I'm happy for everyone that that was nominated because I think a lot of people thought it was going to be snubbed. Um, I was shocked at Stray. I loved Stray so much, and I did find it like the narrative while playing it. I was very surprised at how much depth uh the game had to it and it wasn't just like oh you're it's like a cat sim it was so much more and something like i would love to see um like a all what what do they call it um like a show or something made of that world what is that category called that they added oh best adaptation we'll be talking about best adaptation (laughs) yes i would love to see some kind of adaptation of stray i just feel like it's the perfect like kind of story for that and world um, I'm also just I love post-apocalyptic kind of worlds and understanding like what happened to everybody where do you go from here it's always about like what did what does it mean to be human what's humanity um so yeah I I'm very shocked and still surprised that it made it as a game of the year nomination um but I'm very happy for it um yeah, are we talking about all our surprises or are we just talking about Game of the Year? Let's talk about all the surprises. So, I mean, obviously we're not going to list all of the categories we can right. for, like, if the conversation requires it. But what other nominations surprised you? <laughs> that Elden Ring was best narrative. <laughs> this that was this, that, There's a couple hot topics or combos going around, like, in the, the Twitter sphere right now about the Game Awards. And one of those is, like, Elden Ring best narrative? <laughs> See, the thing is, is... I can't stop thinking about that game, even though it's been months since I've touched it, uh, because it just got to a point where it was like too hard for me and I wasn't in the mood to get good. I will go back to it and I want to like start a whole new build and I love the environment. And yeah, some of the lore, like sometimes I can follow side characters lore and it's always really fun trying to explore and figure out their story. But for the overarching story, there were multiple times where I had to Google, what is the story of Elden Ring? Because it was a little confusing and I could probably see people are like, well, you're just not paying like enough attention. Um, but part of me thinks like if a majority of your players cannot follow the story, even if it's a good story, maybe it shouldn't be nominated for best narrative because I, I don't think it's the easiest story to like follow. And a lot of that has to do with the game, I don't know, being open world and you can learn bits about a story, like you can learn learn the ending and then you learn the middle and then you learn the beginning. Like it's not it's not linear, which is sometimes like that's that's okay, but um I don't know, for the most part it just it, it it's hard to follow that narrative and I would have never voted for that. Yeah. The other best narrative nominees, so Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Immortality, A Plague Tale Requiem. 
the log line or kind of description of this category is for outstanding storytelling and narrative development in a game. Um, now, like narrative development, I think is like what you know. It's it's God of War Ragnarok. It's the the right. story that you know is driving the main you know actions in the game. Uh, I guess there is an argument to be made for storytelling, like in Elden Ring, for the the reasons you mentioned, but. What is surprising about it is, like, I don't think this is how people have ever viewed this category before. So for, like, you know, a game to win for its world building and, uh, you know, kind of the richness of the this universe that you're you're exploring um, to get a best nominate or best narrative nomination is surprising. Uh, and I think it just goes to show, like, the, the Elden Ring, Dark Souls, FromSoft fan base goes very hard for the... Uh, story, or I guess I should say the world building in these games. I feel like that was always the joke they're trying to pull on me. Like, no, you don't get it. If you dig deep, there's story there. <laughs> right. Like, part of me was like, you nominated Stray for Best Game of the Year, whereas, like, what's most impactful about that game is, like, the story that unfolds, and the more you learn, I'm like, why wasn't that in there? And I get, like, you can't nominate every game. But then you have some obvious games, like Elder Ring, and then you're just very confused. You make a good point about, you know, kind of the, you know, looking at the best narrative versus game of the year, four of the best narrative uh, nominees are, uh, you know, a four of the six game of the year. Only the Stray and Xenoblade or Xenoblade um, did not get a best narrative uh, nomination. Instead, Immortality did. Um, but that then kind of brings me to kind of this, you know, a, a point I made earlier, maybe in jest about Kirby and the Forgotten Land, but do you think like a, a strong narrative is in some ways kind of imperative to a game like being seen as worthy of a game of the year nomination? That's a very good question. I, it's how I view games that I like, but I know not everyone does. Like some people love fighting games their game of the years are going to be that because they don't need narrative like my brother doesn't he doesn't care at all about a narrative of a game he just wants to play something that is fun and entertaining so his game of the year choices are way different than mine whereas like I the reason I have loved video games so much is I really enjoy storytelling and creative storytelling so for me my favorite games and my game of the year picks are going to be something that has to do with that. So I don't necessarily think that it has to. I think it's just the reasoning behind why people like certain games and maybe just the judges that we have for this. They all lean that way. I Very well said. I could not agree more. Yeah, which is maybe that's something to say about like, okay, how diverse is the judges panel? Do we have a lot of peop- like judges that are... They're, Maybe they're um, <laughs> fighting games fans. I like my brain just completely forgot what I was saying. <laughs> um, and they just yeah, are their favorite kind of games that they play are just different than the mainstream AAA narrative games that yeah a lot of people love, but doesn't mean that they're the best games of the year. Yeah, and I think, and it, it it's the same thing with. Frankly, any award show, there, it, there's always going to be some sort of visibility or accessibility, you know, issue or, or nature to the nominations that drive 
what makes up most categories. It's, you know, what, you know, critically acclaimed movies are most readily available. Those are most likely the ones that are going to get Oscar nominations. Um, that's why, you know, largely until most recently, you're not seeing a whole lot of foreign films nominated in, in mainstream categories outside of the best international feature. Um, same thing with like the Grammys even more so like across almost every category, especially the main four, like record album, uh, song, et cetera. Uh, it's going to be people you've heard of before because, you know, that's just like the majority is what driving it there. And so I think the same way with the Game of the Year nominations, it's going to be, you know, games that are of high quality. By no means, I I don't want to um, make it seem like that's the point I'm making. I think all these games are definitely worthy, but it's the ones that are most appealing to the, you know, the biggest audience of people. Like a fighting game has a a, a set number of fans in there, or like I should say a fighting game already eliminate certain people that are going to be interested in from the jump whereas a game like god of war ragnarok because it is a third person action adventure game a lot more people are just inclined to consider it or at least play it at the very least yeah i oh, you're making me think now like maybe not most readily available to most people because maybe it's i think it has a american skew mm feels like western how about a western skew of the yeah. games that are nominated um because you mentioned like the oscars well the oscar best, best pictures like maybe outside you and me who and like other people who watch a lot of movies um i'll sometimes have like my friends w- would have never have heard of the best picture nominees because they have this distinct like theme to them like you know when you watch a movie and you're like this is oscar bait it's going to be nominated for best picture it's 100 percent not the best picture of the year (laughs) um but they're just gunning for the judges and it's because of this like this um i'm saying theme but that's not the word i want to use set by like the establishment by the academy that nominates games and we have seen that this like precedent has been set by the game awards not to say that's bad or good it's just there's a trend of the type of games that are nominated year over year and i feel like it's it's got this western view Mm -hmm. on it yeah and and there are of course exceptions like in 2019 sekiro shadows die twice which is a japanese made game one yeah was published by a, a you know a western publisher in activision um, but like there's, you know, Xenoblade Chronicles three is, is a Japanese game nominated this year. Um, but like similar to that, I think there is an argument that there is only one room for one indie game every yeah. year in the game of the year slate that also, you know, an argument can be made similarly for like non-Western games. Um, cause like even just looking at the last five years, like in 2018, uh, God of War, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Celeste, Marvel Spider-Man, Monster Hunter World, Red Dead Redemption 2. One indie game in Celeste, one Japanese game in Monster Hunter World, and then four Western-made games. Um, I forgot Odyssey was all the the Assassin's (laughs) Creed games. That one? (laughs) Uh, 2019, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, which of course won. uh, Control, Death Stranding, Resident Evil 2, Smash Brothers Ultimate, outer worlds um 
no oh shoot see i was getting i thought that said outer wilds which i'm like that's the indie of that year but actually real no real indie that year um but i will say three of the four four of those six games are japanese made smash ultimate uh resident evil 2 death stranding and sekiro so i mean maybe i maybe i'm just blowing hot air out like i don't know and (laughs) i mean there is like i mean the there is a lot of Western like made games like that. A lot of the big AAA releases are that. I mean, this the one still active in Japan, Square Enix, Capcom, uh, not really Konami, um, and Sony, and you know Nintendo. Like that, that is only four, and then there's plenty of activity coming out of Europe and and the U.S. I think it'll be interesting going in the future. Is you know there's a lot of activity going in Korea and China, like. You know, will there be a game of the year candidate coming out of those in the coming years? Yeah, I'm just, I guess I'm surprised that just we don't see a lot of like fighting games or have we ever seen a mobile game? That is a great question. Uh, not at the Game Awards at the very least. Oh, Hearthstone. I could make... Hearthstone in 2014. Oh, okay. Good for Hearthstone. Because um, I, I could make an argument that Marvel Snap I was going honestly to... could have been a game of the year. Right? Like, I th- I think in all honesty, when we look at publications lists come the end of the year, I think you're going to see Marvel Snap in a lot of top tens, as it should yeah. be. Game's great. That one, it really did. It came out of left field, and I was skeptical, and it took, like, two matches, and I was 100% hooked. And I don't um, play it, like, every day now, but I still, I still put time into it. I really have enjoyed it. But you make a good point, though. I mean, like... I'm reading the nominations from 2016, which are all great. I, there's not one I would take out. Overwatch won, um, but then the other four nominees were Doom, Inside, Titanfall 2, Uncharted 4, A Thief's End. I love all those games. Um, yeah. But, like, there isn't, like, there is an argument of, like, should Pokemon Go have, like, been on that list that year, right? Oh, my God. That was that year 100%. And I think you make a good point I hadn't really considered of, like, you know, just kind of these biases or maybe not even biases just like the way the cards are stacked of of certain genres or or platforms not being as considered for game of the year i think mobile is is a great thing to highlight yeah because it's such mobile gaming is so huge but it is not talked about as much in mainstream um uh, publications in award shows it's just kind of like eh, that's the mobile category none of us care meanwhile i think mobile has way more players than console and pc does mm-hmm. totally yeah and maybe it's just a matter of um the pool is so wide on mobile that it like i mean that's part of the reason why it doesn't get much coverage is because there's so many mobile games coming out so often Fair it's point. hard to you know get the signal through the noise but um that still, there are still certain mobile games like Marvel Snap, Pokemon Go that like rise above the the crop, and like there is an argument to be made for them being game of the year. Yeah. Another category you mentioned earlier, I did want to discuss is a new one this year called Best Adaptation. Uh, let me read the description of it. This is celebrating game-inspired projects across entertainment, including TV, movies, comics, and more. The five nominees for the inaugural Best Adaptation Award are Arcane, based on League of Legends, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, The Cuphead Show, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Uncharted. 
Caitlin, before we talk about this category at large, what do you want to win? What are you rooting oh. for? Who do I want to win? I mean, I, now I have to pull the list up. I know you just like said it. And <laughs> no worries. By ADHD today was like, I'm not going to retain a single thing. Okay. So I Uncharted was a lot of fun. I don't think I would think that that's worthy of <laughs> winning that category. Um, the Cuphead show, I didn't finish, but I loved the art style and I just thought it was really cute and I started it. I want to watch the cyberpunk edge runners i have started the arcane league of legends and just by far with having seen only like a little bit of each of these that one is my top like i was hooked the first episode the art style is beautiful the music is just i love it um and you don't have to have seen league of legends not that you have to know the other things to see the other things but um yeah i don't know it just it felt like a high quality piece of art and I don't know yeah I just feel like it's it's was a good year for best adaptations I'm glad this is a category I want to see more IPs getting adapted I know we have like the Witcher show um what else do we have coming out? I mean, we got the Super Mario movie coming out next year. Yeah, how could I forget? I have to work on that. <laughs> yes, Super Mario movie, um, which I think people are going to love. Netflix just did. I mean, Netflix, <laughs> there's this joke that like they're going to just keep announcing them, but they'll never come out. Like they're making a Bioshock movie. They're making a Gears of War movie. Uh, apparently Tomb yeah. Raider is getting an anime. <laughs> Oh, an anime. Yeah. Could be cool. That's That could be cool. That's not what I would have guessed for Tomb Raider, but... I mean, Halo is... I mean, lest we forget, Halo premiered on Paramount Plus earlier this year. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe it wasn't the greatest year for adaptations. <laughs> we I'm got to kidding. see Master Chief's ass. <laughs> and his face. Never yeah. wore a helmet. <laughs> his ass. <laughs> and we got to see Mario's ass. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Or lack thereof from the internet. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I I feel like we all know Arcane's probably going to win. Yeah, I mean, to give uh, the kind of like the litmus test for these is like, which one did my dad watch and like the most? My dad, not a gamer. He watched Arcane and loved it. He's asking me all the time, when is season two? Um, oh, that's <laughs> so cute. Yeah, the, and the man, as you can assume, no experience with League of Legends whatsoever. Um, so, uh, yeah. And I didn't either, other than, like, I've seen a trailer and know about it. But um, I haven't played it. But I think this is a cool category. I think Arcane will win. I, I mean, I would be lying. I, I, I'm rooting for the blue blur. I love my boy Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, <laughs> but I can't admit Arcane's better. Um, wow. I just pulled up a list of upcoming video game. Oh, I can't imagine TV. how long that list is. Here, I'll send it to you. Um, so some of them. I Oh, the Dungeon and Dragons. Oh, yeah. That's like in January, right? Um, March. March. Yep. Oh, my God. The Last of Us. How could I? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's going to be pretty hard to beat next year. Oh, I don't think I'll be able to even talk about it on a podcast because I'll just probably start crying. Um. Oh, a Gran Turismo. Turismo movie that's being shot right now. Um, Silent Hill, 
Minecraft. Oh, that one's delayed indefinitely. But that's an interesting premise for a movie. Speaking of shows that are finished, I know uh, there's a Twisted Metal show coming to Peacock next year starring Anthony Mackie and Will Arnett. <gasps> Stop. I love that. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> okay. Well, I'll probably watch that. Oh, and Fallout on Amazon um, starring Walton Goggins and from the Westworld team. Wow. Okay. I'm super excited for that then. Um, there were some others on this list that I hope... Oh, Mortal Kombat 2. Oh, I would yes. love if they actually had a Mortal Kombat in the movie <laughs> since it didn't happen in the first one. I did like enjoy the first one. I did it's too. It's a cool scene. Seeing those moves on the big screen. Um, a Portal movie. Oh, J.J. Abrams. Um, Bioshock. I like can't get my hopes up for that because if it's canceled, if I get too excited for it and it's canceled, I'll be upset. So. Mm-hmm. But I really want that. Um, oh, Just Dance movie. <laughs> Some of these have been been in works for the ver- a very long time. But uh, I will say, I mean, PlayStation, they've, they've recently opened PlayStation Productions. Very eager to, like, get a lot of these off the ground between Last of Us, Uncharted, uh, the Ghost of Tsushima movie has a director. Uh, I believe he worked on the John Wick movies. Um, oh, okay. And so he's working on that. Um, they're apparently working on a Days Gone movie. And then, of yes. course, Twisted Metal coming to Peacock. And there's a Horizon show coming to Netflix. Um, so lots. I mean, this category, I think, is here at the perfect time. Um, I don't think they're going to be uh, looking or struggling to look for nominations in the coming years. So, And I'm glad... In all honesty, there doesn't seem to be a great deal amount of cynicism about the award either. I think there might be, you know, leave these movies and TV shows out of my game awards. But like, I don't know. There's an award at the Oscars for best song created for a movie. And, you know, there's best audio books at the Grammys. Like, I don't think there's any reason why this shouldn't be highlighted at the game awards. And I think it also just broadens the appeal of the award show in general, which is obviously good for Jeff Keighley. Yeah. Do do we think that I'm trying to decide my opinion. Do we think that game studios when like Sony for example, the projects that they're picking, do you think that they are thinking about this like mm. okay, this is going to be a game, but their plan is to adapt it into like movie, TV show, comic book series. That's interesting. I think that it is probably part of the conversation um i think at the end of the day i would hope that the conversation starts with like do we have a do we have a good game here but like i cannot imagine that when sony especially under the playstation studios AAA banner when they are planning what almost in all cases become franchises that there isn't an early talks of like what are the possibilities of this beyond just the gaming medium um, right, because there's so much, so much money in like the movies and even TV shows that it, it really wouldn't surprise me if they're like we, I mean it just kind of fits with the games they have now, but about being like very narrative driven, like what will this look like when it's in a different uh, medium, uh, 
But I wouldn't think like the creators of Cuphead weren't thinking that when they were making Cuphead. Cuphead. And I was going to say the same thing, but you do look at these other nominations and like Cyberpunk Edge Runners was announced before the game even came out. Um, so like there you have it, CD Projekt Red thinking, you know, very in a savvy way of like Studio Trigger, like, I mean, that's probably not where they started, but they're like, we have a very cool world here and there's probably somebody who can, you know, extend the lifespan and the reach of this of this brand beyond just gaming and and that's exactly what it did i mean edge runners was a huge hit yeah did they was the witcher already out when they had announced this like maybe they had already seen the success of the witcher and was like oh well why Mm. could we do something similar with our new ip and they already have a deal with netflix the witcher season one premiered in 2019 Cyberpunk came out in 2020. So, I mean, yes, that is most likely. They probably saw the huge success of that. And then between, you know, December 2019 to what, December 2020 when Cyberpunk released, they probably got the conversation started of like, let's make this happen. And, uh, you know, you look at Riot with League of Legends. I mean, not just beyond Arcane, but like the foresight of, of what to do with that universe has been incredible. They, they have a whole suite of games that are going to appeal to new people, whether it's, you know, is, is Valor in the League of Legends universe? I actually don't know. Oh, I don't know. At the very least, creating characters that have appeal beyond just the games they're in. They're working on a fighting game right now. I think they also might be working on like a third person action game. Um, and so, and then, and then translates so wonderfully to Arcane or even it's not directly game related. So I, I see why it wasn't nominated, but there was an excellent show on Paramount Plus this year called Players, uh, which was from the American Vandal team. And it was a mockumentary about a League of Legends esports team. And it was amazing. And it was like tangential to League of Legends. They were playing it during the show. Um, but like, I'm sure Riot got a, pretty licensing fee like from that in order to make the show seem more real and again like props to them Hmm. i didn't even know about that show it's good i mean i I think anything on paramount plus largely gets overlooked unless it's in the yellowstone universe but um (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think the only time i've used paramount plus is for yellowstone (laughs) there you have it there you have season five biggest tv premiere of the year i don't know if you saw that headline this week oh i didn't see that (laughs) that doesn't surprise me (laughs) most people don't really who what other show are you tuning in for on tv yeah it's that or the final season of the walking dead is that show over yet? It's Did still going. I actually just have, uh, alongside my IGN uh, article about the Game Awards, I got a banner ad for the final season. Oh, so it's the final season. Yeah, okay. It's almost over. I'm like, how is that show not done? Caitlin, looking at these nominations, are there any other categories you still want to discuss? Um, I mean, one thing I wanted to highlight were just the, the indie and best debut indie categories, which largely have a lot of overlap. Pretty cool to see you know these developers coming out with their first games and receiving such acclaim best indie game nominees cult of the lamb neon white sifu stray and tunic best debut indie neon white norco stray tunic vampire survivors yeah i hmm i love that there's the debut indie game i think that is a very unique way to honor games made by 
um, brand new studios, um, new independent studios, I should say. Um, best indie game. I know we talked about this with Rob, and it's like indie games is such a expansive <laughs> like coverage of games. Like, what does it even mean now to be an indie game? And I guess we could say like the description for this is for outstanding creative and technical achievement in a game made outside the traditional publisher system. Well, what is a traditional publisher system? Because <laughs> you mentioned like Annapurna is like a film studio and their games are seen as indie games, but it's like, are they? Even though I love their games. Yeah. I am in the cult, uh, if you <laughs> could say that. <laughs> but no, you make a great, yeah, like what does it, and I, at the end of the day, I think this question cannot be answered. It's the inverse published a story this week. Uh, the headline reads, uh, Game Award 2022 nominees prove the indie label has lost all meaning. And I, that is a, is a negative framing. But I, I do think, I mean, the, the larger point stands is like indie. I'll read the final paragraph here that I think speaks to it. Um the line between indie and double A games has become muddled, which creates a dilemma for the industry at large. At what point is a game too big to be indie? Is indie an aesthetic, a budget, a number of developers? It is unclear. I think I'm going to be honest. I think in a large ways it is like an aesthetic or a vibe. Like yeah. it's certain genres or moods or frankly price points that, you know, get a game the indie label. Wow. All very fair points. And I would agree that really I just look at a game. I'm like, that feels, that <laughs> looks and feels like an indie game. Um, and, you know, the price point is a very good point because we would never classify an $80 game as an indie game. They are typically 30 and under, 30s pushing it. What was Stray? Stray might have been... I mean, and there's all those few exceptions. Like I remember when The Witness came out, Jonathan Blow's... Uh, puzzle game very much our understanding of an indie title it released for 40 bucks and that was like that was like the headline of the day when that happened in 2016 um because yeah, yeah like stray. people like to put them in these categories what what is stray's msrp stray's 30 dollars. okay there you go and that's what i was thinking that i was like that i feel like that has to be your cutoff mm -hmm. um but I don't know why. I don't know. I'm not a game developer. It's. I think it's just like we know trends because of what we've seen, and that's what we are expecting. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Making games costs more and more, so we're going to see these so-called indie games are going to cost more and more because budgets increase, and they have to pay people, and we don't want them to experience crunch, so... I don't know we'll see i just feel like this the indie game is it's evolving and what we classify as an indie game is always changing but yeah i uh did you say that was an inverse article yes yeah i mean they make a very good point but it's at the end of the day it's like well there's not really an easy answer of what what do you call it then how do you classify it because uh -huh. it's it's like this just general understanding that everyone in the industry has that if you see it and it feels like an indie game, <laughs> it probably is. And I know they framed it under the Game Awards 2022, but like, has this not always been like the case with indie games? Um, like that, you know, Child of Light was being published by Ubisoft, you know, set like almost a decade ago at this point, And like that is 
by all moods and aesthetics and price point, like an indie game, but because it was published by Ubisoft, it wasn't. Like, it's just, you know, it's this weird thing. Uh, and at the end of the day, I would rather this category exist and these games arbitrarily be slotted there that they have a chance at an award because not as many people played Tunic or Neon White as they did God of War Ragnarok. And if the only game of the year category was just with this one thing that any game could go for, and technically these games could go for, um, they, they don't stand as much of a shot against the big boys. Very true. Very true. I do always look at the best indie game lists because those are, I'm going to pick those up. Um, mostly because I've, I've played the AAA games that I want to play. So if something's nominated and game of the year that I haven't played, that's mostly just because it wasn't my vibe. Yeah. But most people have heard of the games that are in that category. So it's nice that they have categories that you're going to find games that you probably haven't heard of and haven't played and, but maybe are interested in. Mm -hmm. Well, Caitlin, this was a very good conversation about the game awards. Any other final thoughts you wanted to get out there before the awards themselves happen in about two weeks? Yeah. Diversify your content creator of the year list. Ooh, I'm going to be honest. I, this is partly my own interest speaking. I do not look at the esports and content creator uh, nominations at all. I did not even notice this. Thank you for calling this out. Yeah, I so I the esports one I like looked at and I was like, this is all men. Um, that's about as far as my <laughs> critical thinking went because I don't watch esports. Um, content creator of the year, I just it it is astonishing that. There, QT Cinderella is nominated, and I do know her, and I have watched her content. But you have one woman, and the rest... Oh, I don't have pictures up. Like, I don't know if it's three white men. I don't know. Also, yes, I do love L Ludwig. I think he deserves a nom. But when you... Maybe it, the list needs to be expanded beyond um, five people. But there are so many other, like people of color creators or in women creators that have just done so much in the industry uh, this past year that it, it's just kind of shocking that they were overlooked um, for just, yeah, just a lot of men. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and this might probably goes back to your earlier point about, you know, who, what is the judging look like for this like is the judging panel itself like diverse enough um you know largely probably the change has to start there as well true all right well the game awards are hosted on december 8th uh, by the time you're listening to this that'll be less than three weeks for now not two weeks that was my bad and uh i'm for one am excited to not only see what wins but of course what is revealed uh but we will discuss that then uh, Caitlin Redwing, any final thoughts on this week's episode of Real Time Strategy before we close up and send people off on an amazing Thanksgiving week ahead? Um, I don't think so. I think this is this is a fun conversation, and yeah, I am really looking to being at the Game Awards in person this year, and just I don't know, seeing what's nominated, seeing what's revealed. I know there's a lot of people conflicted about the the <laughs> award show being like this event to reveal things but i'm looking forward to it i think it'll be a lot of fun and honestly i just like i'm so looking forward to the games coming out next year i think 2023 is going to be a 
a great year for games, as was 2022. 2022 was a surprising great year of games for me. Agreed. One final note, now that you mentioned that for 2023, what's your prediction of what will win most anticipated game? Uh, recognizing an announced game that has demonstrably illustrated potential to push the gaming medium forward. The five nominees are Final Fantasy 16, Hogwarts Legacy, Resident Evil 4 Remake, Starfield, Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah, I feel like that's a little unfair. That one's... Uh... It, it is a little unfair. I personally... No, not personally. Mine still is Tears of the Kingdom, but I'm really looking forward to Starfield. Me too. Yeah. Like you said, much to look forward to. If you out there listening are attending the Game Awards, hit us up. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at RealTimeStrats. Email us at podcast at triplepointpr.com. Tweet at me if you're going to be at the Game Awards. I'm at Sam Scott Mosier. And Caitlin, where can people tweet at you? I am at Caitlin Redwing on Twitter and I'll be on there at the Game Awards. <laughs> Perfect. Well, on that note, uh, have a very uh, great Thanksgiving week for all our U.S. listeners out there. And until the next time, thank you for listening. Thanks. Bye, guys.